we have not anticipated fans taking the entire can and upending it. Guys, I'm going to make you set down your teacups and take your pinky fingers and put them back into the fist that they need to be in because this has gotten far too cordial. My plan is to cry a lot and then, no, I'm actually going to do well. Who am I kidding? I'm great. Thankfully, the Red Bulls decided to score some points. I personally am not trying to be a homer or anything, but uh, Joe Rallis. Portland shouldn't be on the playoffs this year because they can't get their act together. 11 mils sitting on your bench, just sitting there when you could invest it into any other position. Hello and welcome to episode five of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, brought to you by Chocolate Milk, the poor man's workout recovery drink. No, no wait. Uh, actually, it's brought to you by MLS Fantasy Boss and the great Reddit community of r slash fantasy MLS. I'm your host, Reed Connolly from MLS Fantasy Boss, and I'm joined by our usual lineup of co-hosts. We have Simon, who's now back amongst the talking. Uh, Jay, Guy, unfortunately we were going to have Travis tonight, but he's had to drop at the last minute. But uh, also I'm pleased to once again welcome uh, Andrew as we talk about the adjusted stats and our final preseason picks. So Hello everyone. In, I just want to say that chocolate milk actually is a really good recovery drink. Oh, I agree. Hey. Hello, friends. Hey. Hi. All right, fellas, well, we're just going to start out with some housekeeping things, so feel free to uh, add in anything at the end, uh, just so everyone who's listening knows. We're going to be trying to answer a lot of questions during this episode, so maybe go an hour, maybe a little bit longer, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but we want to get as much as we can in here with our final picks and talking about these adjusted stats, because I know you guys are very interested in them. Uh, so first, with the housekeeping, speaking of these stats, be sure to check out the articles that Travis and Andrew have both published recently. Uh, they both take a look at the 2015 player points and statistics, but with the 2016 adjusted scoring numbers added on there. Uh, Travis's is available at MLS Soccer, and Andrew's you can still find uh, over at uh, r slash MLS or maybe linked on, on MLS Fantasy Boss and some of his articles there. So check those out. Lots of good information. We're going to cover that soon. Uh, preseason is over, so if you guys have not already, check out the preseason ticker over at MLS Soccer's website. It gives you all the results for the teams, and if you're lucky, you'll get a, a recap that has the actual lineup. Not everyone's great with doing that, though. Uh, and to cover some, some quick injuries, we had, of course, Altidore is still up with his hamstring. Do you guys know anybody else who's injured of note right now? Well, I guess of note, you might not agree that Altidore is of note guy, but... Apparently Akam has some sort of muscle issue that might have been related to sickness that he's had all yeah. preseason, so who knows Yes, uh, and, and with that, though, there was a... Uh, Guillermo Rivera uh, says that Ponovic says Akam should be good for Sunday, had some muscular issues, but they will evaluate this week, but... It's looking promising. I would still stay away until he plays a preseason game or a game. For, for some of you guys who are looking at midfield options, remember that MPG is out with a card, I think at least the first game of the season. Um, I've not looked up for anybody else, but he is is out for the first game. So think about those things. Give him a quick once-over from the MLS site before you make your final team selections. And Opara. And Opara, that's right, and Opara. 
Uh, and of course, finally, we have a question related to this one. Don't forget about the national team call-ups when you're drafting. Uh, we're going to have some World Cup qualifying games coming up in the first few weeks, so that should factor in in case you have some national team players on your radar who may disappear in that first time. Uh, Rolling Carey actually asked us, should we even be worried about this disqualifying for the game weeks 3, 4, and 5, and if so, who should we avoid? So do you guys have any suggestions for that? Not Benny. (laughs) (laughs) Not Benny, that's true. Um, For me, I think the big question regarding this is in the Dallas back line. Um, yep. And kind of how that whole mess is getting sorted out. Um, but Figueroa and Harris are both likely to be called up for the national teams, so they will miss that uh, crucial double game week in week four. They might be back for one of the two games, but you won't get the double. So if you're looking for Dallas defense, you might want to go for Lloyd or Hedges. And then there's, but there's also a chance that that Hedges could get called because he did get called up in the January camp to replace Evans, who had gotten injured. So uh, you never know. You had to keep an, an eye on him as well. Anybody else, guys? Otherwise, it's the usual suspects. Uh, we know who they are if you go back through through posts that have happened on our slash fantasy MLS. All the guys with the the national team normal duties that are going to get called up. So just keep an eye on them. Be aware. There'll be some rosters that come out. So, but but yeah. Good. I, I do think you should be mindful, Rolling Carry. I don't know if worried is the right word, but uh, just keep it in mind when you're making your drafts. So we're going to jump right into our discussion now, all about the adjusted player stats. So we're just going to let Andrew start this conversation, and we'll jump in whenever we think we may have something more of value to add than what his research has already done. Uh, so basically, what have you learned about the stats from last year when we look through the, the glasses of the 2016 scoring system? So basically the idea and intent of it, from what I can gather, is that it was to make defensive midfielders relevant. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that they've quite accomplished that due to how expensive some of the defensive midfielders still are. Um, and so basically the main stats that we're looking for that uh, for defensive midfielders, anyways, are the passing stats. Um, they are definitely more impactful than the tackle stats or the split out of the EBI. Um, and so we really want those elite passers that are going to try to get up to that 85% mark pretty often and um, ideally reach the 75 passes or 70 passes, whatever it is. Not sure, um, and and I think the two main guys that are going to reach those two thresholds frequently is Osvaldo Alonso, who reached it a ton last year, yeah, even with his limited minutes, and then uh, Will Trap again. He he reached it pretty frequently, but again, limited minutes. Um, so I I think Will Trap is kind of the the big winner on uh, making defensive midfielders relevant. Um, well, I think that immediately brings the question of what about Dax? I know he was one that stood to gain a good amount of points from that system. Yeah, yeah, he's he's gained more points, and he, it brings him up to kind of borderline relevance. Um, but for me, I, I think I would rather have the more attacking-oriented players of Ivan Schitt or Goosens or Teixeira 
Or if I'm looking to go cheap, I would, again, just go down to trap and upgrade my team elsewhere. Uh, Andrew, what about the lob, like Laba, Polster, even Kyle Beckerman? I mean, Polster's 5.5 mil looking to slot into that DM role. How did he fare, if you have any numbers on him? Um, I know Laba in particular actually did have significant tackle points added. Um but not a ton of passing points, for sure. So, yeah, with uh, with Laba, he had 5.1 tackles per game, 2.1 interceptions, and always has the potential of getting clean sheets with that defense in Ousted. Um, you know, at 7.5, he seems like a pretty solid option. I think there are better options at 7.5, like an Ivan Schitz, a Goosens. But, you know, like I said before, you look at even a pollster at 5.5, um, I think either one of those two options alongside a trap could be good, but I, like you said, I'd prefer to put that money into a more attacking um, Ivan Schitz, uh, even a Harry Ship, or even um, Goosens. So. Yeah, um, I think it just comes down to comparing them at the same price point with Laba, that there's just better options available. Um, and with Polster, he did get the position change from defender up to midfielder this year, so that eats into some of his points that he gets from the new scoring changes. Um, so I, I still think he's largely going to be irrelevant and worth kind of just making that a scrub player and spending the money elsewhere. That's good insight. I think it's important to say for everyone that... Uh, these numbers aren't just coming for everywhere. Thanks to Travis, uh, the bulk of these numbers, if not all these numbers Andrew can attest to, um, have come actually from Opta. So so these are legitimate calculations that are being done with actual numbers for these stats. It's not just our best guesses or using who scored or, or squawk or something like that. They're, they're the real deal when we talk about these things. But I, I guess I definitely agree that the, the intent was to help boost D-mids um, with hope, this this new price gain system could cause their points to go down if the attacking mids just start jumping up in points. The defensive mids may not be able to keep up with those average numbers and could drop down some, maybe make them a bit more appealing for their prices, or if nothing else, as the season goes on, when budgets start to be more different from team to team, then maybe a defensive midfielder becomes a bit more of an option if you're looking at a bad or likely to not start, maybe start, midfielder than uh, somebody like the Dax or or the Alonzo or the Beckerman becomes more of your option. Maybe that's the intent, uh, but I definitely was a bit disappointed that they didn't get become more viable, even after looking at the points per 90, because a lot of the guys with the points per 90 still still looked pretty good, but it's it's definitely the the central attacking midfielders that that won the day when it came to points per 90. Wingers are up there next. And then a few of the defensive mids kind of pop up when we look at the the points per 90. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's really these attacking guys that are still going to be the ones to focus on. And that's why I'm running five middies. That's why you're running five middies. Indeed. Uh, what are other general reactions that you guys have after looking at these numbers, Guy, Jason? Well... It's it's tough for me to look at just the the past. I mean, there's 
there's always this, this sense that when you start a new year that you can build this perfect team based on past data. And you just I just have to remember that there's there's two transfers a week, so I may not get it right. And I think it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to have to consider that certain players from last year will have been better, but they still may not perform that well. I mean, it's 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 a coin toss like on some players. So I looked at Javinko, who got even more points with this new system, and I'm still just baffled that uh, our buddy Andrew here is is going to take a pass on him. I mean, he would have made like almost a three. 300-point player last year with these new rules, so... It's ridiculous. It's it's absurd how valuable uh, this this made him, so... I mean, I, I like the changes for the most part. I think... I mean... It looks like we're... We're down, like, total players at this point, like a week before the season. I think that some of that stuff last year, like, may have impacted people's willingness to really engage in this game again, so this overhaul seemed really necessary to kind of build up some, some good faith with uh, the MLS fantasy crowd again. Yeah. I personally like the new changes. Uh, for me, it's not really affecting my uh, player picks per se, because I'm still with, you know, five premium well four premium mids and one superstar. And then two great forward picks. Still running with my one premium defender and two, you know, one scrub or two scrubs, one decent guy, and then keeping my one keeper. Uh, I'm still picking like I did last year. I'm just now looking at the pass completion stats, the shots on goal stats, the clearances, blocks, and interception stats. Because uh, now, I mean, last year we were really essentially clean sheet hunting for a lot of our defenders. Now we're looking at, hey, who gets the most clearances? Who gets the most blocks? Who does get the most interceptions? Hey, a clean sheet's just a bonus. So for me, that's what I'm looking I'm looking at more of the in-depth stats, which for me being a fantasy nerd, I absolutely love it, and I can sit here and chat about it with you fine gents on a podcast every single Monday. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm going for all the attacking players. My front seven is insane with the pass completion, shots on goal, goals, assists. So I'm excited. I like it. But if I can interject one point on that, though, and that would be, it seems like there's there's a balance though because a lot of the sabermetric crowd really gravitates toward baseball and all those kind of stats, but. At a certain point, it almost feels like it's going to be almost too overwhelming for the casual player to really invest themselves in so many stats. Whereas, when you look at, I mean, I hate to keep bringing it up, but the FPL system, I mean, it's it's a very simplified scoring system. You know, a goal gets you this, there's only so many bonus points per match, um, and all of that stuff is done in the background, so at the end result is, if your player did the best, you get three points. So... I wonder. I'll, I'll take issue with that, but go well, ahead, go on. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wonder. I like the. I mean, personally, I'm a numbers guy. I will sit and look at numbers all day. I wonder about the average fan who's the just looking fan. for goals and assists, and who plays the FPL game and is looking for this to do in the off season for FPL. Is that going to be just like too much to have to take in to find the real hidden gems for for their differential players? 
They just read my articles and they're good to go. <laughs> done and done. Since you brought up the sabermetrics, I, I will say what, what I would take away if I was a, a new player just listening to our podcast and maybe starting to feel overwhelmed by some of these stats is uh, we do try to help you navigate through those these elements and find uh, something you could look at as more of a go-to. And and I think, and, and I hope Andrew might agree with it because he's really helped enlighten me to this over the past couple of years, the points per 90 is really a handy metric to look at. If you want to try to get a, an accurate idea of, of what you could expect from a guy, but from the sabermetrics point of view with baseball, it, it doesn't fit perfectly with soccer. There's there's still that major element in baseball, that one-on-one person, that pitcher versus batter, and what you can compare. And there's so many other elements with soccer that you can't get that accurate 100% Billy Bean kind of model going through there. And so there, there is some room for gut fillings. There, there is some room for luck. I mean, you get get Hines, who gets four goals in a game in, in preseason. So, I mean, you can't account for that. There's not a model that will do that. So uh, even though... We do have more scoring. I feel like that makes it more fun because one, your players can get more points, and they're not that difficult to follow. I think I get more annoyed with the FPL system where maybe your defender rocks it out, and it's like, oh yeah, that midfielder gets three bonus points. He scored a goal. It's like awesome. Well, this defender prevented four, so where, where's his bonus points? Um, and you get that in MLS, and I like that. No, I, I agree with you. I mean. But I know that there are people out there who may look at this as just too much. I mean, I think that the the average casual player, I, I don't know how much they spend on fantasy a week. I think we all spend probably 10 to 12 hours. I mean, honestly, between prepping for the podcast and for running numbers and planning our teams and talking about it, maybe the average player does a half an hour worth of adjustments before a weekend's match. I mean, I hope that this works. I really do. I want this game to be successful this year. So if we can make the defensive midfielders a little more attractive, perfect. But I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I'm rooting for it. I just hope the mechanic works for the casual fan. Sure, I got you. I'm actually logging my hours this year. Um, I spent 13 and a half, 12 and a half hours uh, over the last two days doing fantasy stuff. Oh my! Oh yeah, I mean that's <laughs> your problem is is you're not married yet. I'm married, so yeah. it's legal. Yeah, like, that's exactly it. She doesn't she doesn't care what I do. It's like oh, he's in his bedroom playing fantasy sports. That's wonderful. Good luck with that, pal. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, uh, do you guys have any closing thoughts before we move on to our, our player picks about the, these new stats and what you think they're helping to tell us? I just want to say that the stats are really just a starting point. They're they're not the be-all, end-all, um, as much as I would love them to be because I'm an economist and statistician as a profession, so it's kind of what I do, but I, I think a lot of people see all these stats that we're throwing out at them and kind of think that we're saying this is the gospel um, when when really it's just hey, you know, Giovinco has a 9.3 points per 90 you should probably look at him so it, it's it's just a starting point, there is that room for you know the, the manager's judgment to come in and that's where the differential plays come and impact your final rank very true. Well said. Well said. Okay, with that said, we're going to jump right into our player picks. So we're going to break this down. Normally we combine our keepers and defenders, but I've got a special question this week, and so we're going to break keepers apart 
for uh, for this this week. Um, so the first question it, it comes from KJ MLS, and uh, this one's our you guy. Simply stated, Tim Howard. Boy, this this really surprised me. I I've been a, such a lifelong, well, adult lifelong Everton fan, and it's just sad. I mean, it's really sad that he's. <laughs> I, well, it was funny because at first he priced himself so high that people thought there's no way Colorado's going to do this, and then he came down to like half price, and now it's 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 going to happen. Like he's going to come over after the EPL season in whatever that is, another two months or something, to the Colorado Rapids. And the the thing that really confuses me is is his heart really going to be in it? Because on his off days now he's doing. Premier League commentary for NBC. And I think that gig kind of took him out of his goalkeeping. I mean, like, people kind of point to that as his downturn, so to speak, for for keeping for Everton. So I, I think that job was there for him if he wanted it. I can't understand why he decides to come to MLS and go to Colorado at this point in his career. He could have been a very lucrative broadcaster from here on out and... Will he be successful in Colorado? I. <laughs> it's not like he has Leighton Baines playing in front of him in Colorado. I tell you that. So. Uh... <laughs> Axel Oberry. Yeah, that's gonna be so awesome for him to go from Baines and Coleman to Hoberry and Saint Ledger. Uh... Well, if nothing else, it'll be much more fun to yell. Well, I just I I think. I think as a keeper, when you're at such a high level for so long, you're the you're the darling of the national team, you're the Spartan, you know, with the beard for Everton, and you're below those years, and you're playing in those massive stadiums over there. To come from that to Colorado, where what do they got like 30, 40 people on the weekends? Um, <laughs> I mean, I just I don't yeah. think he's going to be successful there because it's who's who's going to want to go to that that level. I mean, maybe the money's that good for him. I don't know. Maybe he's hurting. Uh, it's. I'm going to stay away from it. I, I think it'll be a great novelty around the midpoint of the season, but uh, I just feel bad for the. I don't think it's going to end well. Not for six mil. I, ain't, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. You know he's going to be priced a premium keeper at 6.0, and there's no way that I would touch that. Well, I mean, no. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Best of luck, Timmy. Good luck in Colorado. Yes, we're good. Okay. Well, I think uh, there's not much we need to really focus on with the uh, keepers in general because they're they're so close. They're so close. So we'll just let our picks stand for themselves. So guys, uh, who are your keeper picks before the season starts? Well, I got um, I got Gonzalez from Dallas. Uh, I didn't pick up his backup because I needed that, that cheap Guillen from, from Dallas as a filler. So I went with uh, uh, Blake from Philly for my second keeper for 5-0. Pretty good value. Uh, he has a huge upside, but he's obviously my bench player. So Gonzalez all the way. Okay. Um, mine, I think a little bit of an upset pick is Bobby Shuttleworth. Uh, for keeper, I think New England's defense was really good towards the last half of last year. Um, he's played pretty well too. I mean, maybe the safer pick is like Bingham or Fry or whatever, but 
I don't think there's really enough difference between the keepers to maybe even justify the extra .5 million. And then I also have Andre Blake on my team. I'm going to try and keep two keepers this year. Um, so I don't think there's really that many options, you know, for there's no, there's only like, I mean, you can get a 4.0, but I, I'm not sure if uh, I'll need that. I don't know. I'm undecided, but I'd go with Shuttleworth and Blake. I really like New England's defense this year, and I think he could see the kind of a leap that maybe Bingham did last year with San Jose to where it's a keeper that not a ton of people are thinking of but could perform really well. I hear some good words about Gonclaves this this year. So, Yeah, he's actually on their right. team, right, instead of like holding out, which will really help them. So, I like those Blake picks, guys. Um, I, I currently have Gonzalez uh, from Dallas. And I have Wara from D.C. Uh, Wara was the backup to Dykstra since Bill Hamid is um, uh, recovering from surgery. But I hear, I'm not sure if it's accurate, but I heard that D.C. just signed another keeper. Um, so that's something to keep an eye out for. But I'm going to be looking at Lampson as a backup keeper in Chicago. Uh, a lot of word on the street that he may be taking the starting job over from Sean Johnson. Uh, but as of right now, I have Wara and Gonzo. I really don't feel the need to sp uh, to spend another one mil or .5 or anything else on a keeper, a backup keeper when you got Gonzo in there or an Ousted or a Bingham or a Ramondo. You spend six mil on a keeper, that's all you need. Spend the money somewhere else. Gonzalez, set and forget. But there damn. Gonzalez and then plus a 4.0 garbage. Yes. Excellent. All right, I think that summarizes that pretty well. So going on to defenders, have a couple of questions here I'm going to want to throw out uh, real quick for you guys to answer before we do our picks. So this comes from Anthony Nice. I think it's a, a, good, a good question with some of the new stats. Uh, basically, he says, center backs versus fullbacks, uh, who should we go with? Um, and specifically, do you like uh, Matria at in your NYCFC? So my answer to this question is that you got to go with the center backs, um, and I think you can find that out if you just look at Andrew's uh, PP90 spreadsheet, which is pretty much what I use for most of my picks. Um, I know we had that conversation earlier about like the data, and for me, like earlier in the season, I just go with, like, Proven people who I know will do decently um, regardless. And like um, fullbacks, like if you look, they are super erratic and sometimes just not erratic, like they just don't score at all. Um, so if you look, the people who are going to perform best are the the center backs, and there's not really enough of a price difference with most of the fullbacks to make it like, oh, I could get a 5.0 starting fullback that's going to do, that I know is going to do okay. So you might as well just take the center backs to me. Um, and that guy from New York City FC play yet, but yo, don't pick New York City FC defenders. If there's one thing that you learned from last year, like don't pick their defenders because their home games are all like goal fests just because of that stadium. Um, I don't really care who the defender is on New York City. I would not pick them. Anybody else have anything to add? Yeah, um, Matarita was on my list of like a super sleeper. Um at 7.5, in my opinion, uh, money is spent better elsewhere. Much. Exactly. Uh, and for a guy that's brand new to the league, I think he has tons of upside. He, You should definitely watch him, but at 7.5, you can get a Lloyd at Dallas 
or a Drew Moore for 7.0 and spend 0.5 somewhere. Go with the center back. You're, you're going to get better CBIs and even the aerial threats for goals. Right. So our next question comes from Gotham0826. I'm just going to head right now. Apologize to everyone whose names I butcher. If you haven't figured out that's what I do by now, then you just haven't been listening long enough. Uh, and he says, uh, usually a lot of clean sheets early in the season. So what are our thoughts on starting with four or five guys in the back? I'm personally starting with three guys. I have my fourth as a rotational player uh, or a sub, um, a switcheroo. Uh, traditionally, yeah, it has started out slow, but I think with CCL coming in and the preseason playing a lot, I wouldn't say better teams, but playing more teams, I think that it could be a little bit different this year. There is a lot more star power this year than there has been in past years coming straight in. So uh, I'm going to stick with a 3-5-2 plus with this new budget system. I think that you can afford to just you know put three guys in the back, maybe a fourth, and then have your front seven or uh, you know your front seven just be completely star-studded and scoring a lot of goals, so that's my thoughts on that. So I actually don't agree that there's usually a lot of clean sheets early in the season. Um, I think last year was a bit of an aberration, just going back the last several years. Um, it, it's just that it's of uh, teams get a clean sheet in the first two weeks. Um, and last year was up at like 36 or 37 percent, something like that. So I, I think it'll probably fall somewhere in between the two this year. Probably somewhere around 28, 29 percent of teams um, will will get a clean sheet. So in general, I, I just don't agree with the premise of this. Um, so I'm I'm definitely against starting with four or five in the back if I can help it, simply because I think the money can be better spent elsewhere. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the thing is, um, you know, this year with you know getting shots on or shots or points per shots, you know, for for shots or whatever, uh, even if your forwards don't score, you're going to be getting points. And the second thing with that is, if you start five defenders, then as soon as that transition starts to happen, where the attacking starts to outpace the defending, you're going to be wasting all your transfers downgrading your defense and getting all these attackers that are going up in price that everybody else has already had anyway. So just start three defenders and put them in their place. That's that's my that's my advice. They said it very well. I have nothing to add. Definitely. I, I think these changes really do influence uh, all those attacking players. So even though, as you have said in a previous episode, Guy, that it's much easier now to play a forward against a defender and have them both in your team now that in the in the same game because uh, you can get points either, either way. The ceilings are so much higher on those attacking players that it's just it's just not going to work. Uh, and I'm thinking three men in the back for the majority of the season is probably how most teams are going to go. So are you guys going to get any premium defenders, or are you guys kind of sticking with 6.0 to 7.0 guys across the back? Uh, currently, I'm looking at. The, the cheaper guys in the back. Business in the front, party in the back, I think his guy says. <laughs> Got that right. The fantasy mullet, baby. That's right. <laughs> the fantasy mullet. It's actually backwards in the mullet, I guess, as you, how you might think of a true mullet, but um, I just I just like that that branding, the fantasy mullet. 
Uh, so with that, let's just going to go right into our picks for defenders. Okay, so my picks are Tim Parker from the Vancouver Whitecaps, uh, Clarence Goodson from the San Jose Earthquakes, and Atiba Harris from FC Dallas. Um, the one that I'm a little bit shaky on is Harris, but he's got a pretty good points per 90 last year, um, and especially for his price at 6.0. I don't think it's really reasonable to maybe expect him to keep that up, but... Um, when you have something like that, at least last year, like if you looked at the outliers of PP90 um, per dollars or whatever whatever the stat is for like people who outperformed money-wise, they still did pretty well last year. Um, so I'm willing to take a risk on him. And Goodson and Parker both play for two of the better defensive teams in MLS last year um, that haven't really changed very much about their defense and if anything have only gotten better um, defensive midfield-wise from last year. And so I will pick them because they're cheap and they're center backs and they don't really figure to be missing um, games for national team time. So I think that those are good picks. I got um, Figueroa at Dallas, who is a center back. Seven mil can play left back as well. Um, I have Hoberry from Colorado, a 5.5. I also have Vincent for Chicago at 5.0. And then I have contracted VD. He is going to be the best defender oh, this what, 8. year. 8.5? Yes, he is my one thing. But you guys know that I was big on him when the LA Galaxy discussed signing him. He Yes, he will be a card magnet, definitely. He'll be an Olave Collin type of player. But I think that his risk will reward is going to, is as Donald Trump would say, it's going to be huge. And I think that he will score five plus goals this season and be the points leader by end of season. Well, if you could get Mexico to pay for him, he might be worth it. But uh, <laughs> I think, think well, 8.5 was a little too much for me, my friend. No, you know, and that's, and I struggle with that because, you know, you add additional five, you can get hedges. But watching. Van Dam play. He, I mean, man, he almost scored off the first set piece of the game, and I don't know. He just, he just looks against against. Um, it was uh, the Mexican team for CCL. Um, was it Kataro? I think is who they played. No, they played last week. No, that's who DC played. Didn't they play Santos? Yes, they did. Santos. That yeah, correct. Sorry, I watched all those games. Back to back to back to back. Um, yeah, and he he scored. He almost scored off the very first set piece of the game. But yeah, I it is a little steep, but that's why like I'm gonna try it out. Hey, if it doesn't work, you know whatever. I can always transfer out. But LA's LA's schedule in the first week or the first three weeks is at home against DC, away against Colorado, at home against San Jose, which I think those are three games where you could possibly get three straight clean sheets. Plus, you got President Kennedy in the back. Come on. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, for me, I'm just going to go with a couple guys that haven't been named yet. Um, you've got Francis in San Jose, who's good value. I've been on him all year. Um, in Dallas, I want Lloyd out of the bunch. I, I think Figueroa ultimately is where you want to be. But, again, I want Lloyd to be there for that double game week in week four. So, I'm, I'm going to go with him. 
Um, and then also in Chicago, the other fullback, Harrington, I think will also be some pretty dang good value this year. Harrington. <clears throat> wow. Uh, I, st I just have such bad memories of him in, in Portland, just looking completely lost on the defensive side of the ball. But uh, I, I want to give a little shout-out to my buddy Martin Cooper on Twitter, who told me Seb Hines got four goals uh, the other day. And oh, no. No. Do, like no. The, the second, the second yeah. level of... Don't, do not <laughs> say you're going to get Seb Hines. I got Seb Hines. Oh, my... <laughs> I got... And you know, it's funny, because... He wasn't the, even like a nailed-on starter. Where's the mute button? But, uh, but, you know, if if a guy's coming off that kind of momentum, it's only going to be good things. So, I'm going to try him out, and I got him with Lloyd and Francis as well, and then I'm putting uh, Ka in the back. So, I, I got some coverage. It's a little more expensive than I want, but I think at uh, week three I'll be making a decision on Heinz or Lloyd sticking around. So I'll, I'll downgrade when I find the appropriate starter. You, you, think Kyle, you think Kyle will start over Parker? I'm hoping. Nah. I mean, you know, it, nah, just, so. you never know. And you made fun of me for my Van Dam pick. <laughs> you combine well, Kyle and Hines and Ben. So got I got Van I got Francis on the bench to come in if Kyle doesn't play. But it's these. I tell you what, the defenders are the worst position to pick this year because there's not great value in the back. They really loaded the prices of the defenders that like if you want to go cheap you got to go really really cheap and like really really bad so no there's the, I, and see I, I just I, I disagree with you like I mean if you look Chicago you got Garrig at 5.5 5.5 for Holberry in Colorado um, man I got a whole list of these dude things. but those guys are those teams are hot garbage yeah but but Chicago is not hot garbage yeah. this year yeah, sure. and that thing is, I don't think Chicago will be bad this year. I mean, you could even look at Philly. Philly has a bunch of great cheap options. Rosenberry at 5.5. Marquez, a center back, at 6.0. Fabinho at 6.5. With Blake and goal, like, those could be fantastic budget picks. Indeed they could, but in the interest of time, I'm afraid we're going to have to move on to our midfielders now. So tune in to one of Jason's punts posts at MLS Fantasy Boss to see his full list of sorry guys keep using. <laughs> no, it's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. I mean, the last thing I'll add for people before we do move on is uh, Colin Parker, two center backs at Vancouver. If you weren't aware of it right now. Uh, could potentially maybe rotate. We were talking about before the show, or Parker may be someone who uh, displaces Ka as a starter there. And then uh, one note about Lloyd. Some people have rumblings that he might not be in the center. He may be out on the wing instead. Uh, I'm thinking he's going to be in the center. Um, I guess that's probably what you went with him as well, Andrew. No, I'm, I'm fine with him, even if he's out left. Either way. Um, Either way. Where I think he's been playing most of the preseason. Right. Want he can, that double game he can play that center, though. Um, but, yeah, so if that's a concern for you, if you want center backs over, over fullbacks, uh, that is something to think about with Lloyd, but I too do like him, so I cannot fault that pick. So moving on to midfielders, as I said, uh, we're going to go with a question from from Green Slime 300, who says Diaz. He's priced 0.5 lower than Castillo. I can't tell you how many times I've seen this question posted since we started doing the podcast again this season. Uh, he wants to know who is the better pick. So what do we think? Uh, Diaz, and it's not even close. Um, Diaz is a better player in real life. He's a better player in fantasy. They had 
pretty much the same score overall last year, but Diaz did it in about 35% fewer minutes than Castillo. Um, with the adjusted points per 90, um, he's about 1.5 points per 90 more than Castillo, so really absolutely everything pointing to Mario Diaz. Yeah, I think we all concur. Uh, I'm gonna mm-hmm. speak. <laughs> yeah, no, if anybody if nobody else has anything to add, then yeah, that's I think that yeah. says it very well. Yeah. Diaz, for sure. Okay, so our, our next question comes from the FIFA Gaming Network. I don't know if that is a uh, shameless promotion for someone that I just gave, or if that's just something that someone <laughs> really likes as their name on Reddit. But uh, he wants to know if Kaká is a must-have, or and and also, do we think we'll see Poku play this year? Do you want to take this one, guy? Oh, yeah, Trav's yeah, not right. here. My bad. Uh, <laughs> Kaká is my captain right now, and that's not even a joke. So I have a really good feeling about him. Uh, you, you, you can mark this episode. Guy Sanchez says Kaká is his captain round one, and <laughs> I'm sticking with that. Whatever might that happen, the gag real you guys might shame me into changing my back line, but I'm not changing Kaká as my captain pick for week one. Well, I will guarantee you this year I am not going to be as hard against Kaká as I was last year. Mm-hmm. But I stand by all the harsh things I said about Kaká at the beginning of the season last year. Yeah, he's pretty great. Yeah. So anybody else have any thoughts about Kaká and Poku? Hey, Kaká is my captain week one as well. That boy is going to kill it. Orlando was so good at the end of last year. And have you seen... Orlando's schedule to start the year. Home to RSL. Home to Chicago. I think we have a disagreement there. I think Chicago's crap. Um, they might be good, like, Hot starting in five. I think they might be good in, like, five games. But, like, when you have a team that has all new players, basically, and you have a new coach, they're not going to be great at the start of the year. So, like, maybe five games in, sure. And then they're away to New York City, which is, like, goal central. So, Kaká, at least for the first three games... Let's get it. Yeah, I like Kaká. I think he's a must-have. He's in my lineup. Um, I'm leaning heavily towards captaining him like Guy and Simon did. Um, but with the additions of uh, Nocerino and having, I believe, Molino back healthy from his ACL injury last year with Saren Iguaita and then Laren coming off the year he had last year, plus Kaká's on all set pieces and PKs. And it's Kaká. It's, he's... He's just a magician. You gotta have him in your lineup. Yeah, you're all gonna laugh when Kaká is captain for you all, and he's getting assists bouncing it off of Seb Hines' head as they go up four 0 <laughs> All right, buddy, grow <laughs> up. You guys tried to shame me into not picking him up. I can't wait for Seb Hines to just get like negative six points the first game because RSL is gonna run all over them because they have no defense. But you're not biased. Okay, that's because you're a honk. Yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm not going to say the H word because I every podcast I listen to, I say, not trying to be a hmm, 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 but, and then I say something about Javier Morales. So I'm not going to say it. <laughs> sure. sure. We, we believe you. We believe you. So to answer the second part of the question there, yes. will we see Poku? Um, <laughs> I, I think probably ultimately not unless Mix or Lampard go down injured or get traded or something. Um, I think Poku is still kind of the the third option in that weird central midfield that isn't going to work again. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate. Um, and I've had some conversations about Poku since the last podcast, and he he does tend to be better when he kind of has that more central 
uh, cre- creative or at least able to build off with with the forwards kind of role. I mean, and 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 you've got Pirlo and, and Lampard and all those guys who are up there kind of doing that before he even gets a shot. So I love the guy. I think he's got a lot of potential. I just don't think his potential is going to be achieved at New York City. Well, first of all, congratulations for saying Pirlo and not Prelo. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Second I of tried. all, I think New York City is just the classic example of trying to make money by selling jerseys as opposed to winning games. And the fact that they're still going to try Lampard, Pirlo, and Villa, when clearly Villa is the only viable option of that three, instead of playing Poku, who was so like so dynamic one of the best young faces in the league, and that, that he's going to get shoved out for basically this this glory farewell tour for these guys is, is just unconscionable. I cannot believe this is happening again for a second year in a row. Well, Poku, could, he could possibly play on the right wing when uh, Shelton or I think it's Mullins, uh, you know, there could be a rotation somewhere in between there. So, I, But I agree, I don't think he's going to play, unfortunately, because he's... He's awesome. Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. So sad. Uh, so with that, what are your guys' picks for midfield? Uh, my picks are Ivan Schitz, Kaká, Diego Valeri at 10.0. Way too good to pass up. Maro Diaz and Javier Morales. Five deep, son. Rolling with the big boys. It's nice. So for me, I, I think I'm also running five deep with Evenshits, Diaz, Valeri, and Kaká. And then my last roster slot is going to go to either Akam or Goosens, one of the two up in Chicago, whichever one looks more likely to be starting and gets their life sorted out. <laughs> is no longer sick and injured. Or gets yeah. a visa. <laughs> Akam's already got that sorted out. No, uh, Goosens may not have his visa in time to play this weekend, so... Akam's already got that sorted out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going with uh, Kaká Valeri Diaz. And then I'm I'm going to take a flyer on Trap. I think that for the price, I don't... I, you can't have superstars in every position, so... I'm going Trap, and then I put Polster on the, on the bench as a viable option to get me three points in the emergency that somebody doesn't play on a certain day, so I'm going four deep in the mid. So he's your viable option to get three points and then lose a point of value? Well, I mean, <laughs> I I hate to say it, but I just there's just not enough money to go around. I just <laughs> I had to make a decision, and Polster was good enough for my second bench spot. What can sure, I say? Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. Um, mine, Kaká, Diaz, even shits. That seems like everyone has those. Um, and for my last one, I think I'm going with Lee Wynn. Um Yeah, I don't know how much explanation that needs other than New England is a little bit of an underrated team this year. Just because I don't know. How, I feel like Wynn's str- a little bit overrated. I agree. Oh, really? I agree with that. They have very good fixtures to start the year, too. They do have three aways, but they, they have double game week in week four. I don't know if Wynn's going to get called any, up to the U.S., any though. Worry about, yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the that's, worry about the call-up. That's the worry. Um, I could see changing win to Valeri, maybe, but DC I don't think is very good, and they play DC week two at home, and then Philly away. It just seems like it could start well for win, and um, 
I don't know. New England finished last year strong. Wynn finished last year pretty strong. I think New England's like slump at the beginning of last year kind of, I don't know, makes people think that they're not going to be so great this year in fantasy because like the overall stats don't, you know, aren't, aren't like amazing just because they started last year pretty poorly. I don't see any reason why they do that this year. So uh, I think Wynn is, on Wynn is a strong. Yeah, I think they're a strong pick. I think they're probably the, what is it, out of the teams in the East? I think they're probably the best team in the East. Maybe TFC a little bit better, but that's a different conversation. So I'm trying to think back to some of the conversations we had uh, when when Travis and I some others were, were kind of giving some feedback about early prices before they were released. And I think Valeri was one that I actually argued shouldn't have become cheaper last year because I thought he was going to do well this year and it was just an off-season off for him with the injury and everything. So um, I, I think he's a pretty good deal because I thought he should have stayed around 10.5. Yeah, and a 10, and a 10.0 guy can attest this. Andrew can attest this that he for 10 for 10 million he he could you could easily run away with one of the highest points in the midfield especially if he stays healthy this year. He could be one of the best players in the league for fantasy wise. Yeah, I I agree. All right, so moving on to forwards. Uh, we're going to have a couple questions here as well. First one comes from CapsFan1. Uh, he says, Dempsey or Kamara? And he really wants to know if Dempsey is going to be able to score more without Martins. Oh, two of my favorite forwards in the game. <laughs> Dempsey and Kamara. Uh, gun to my head, I pick Kamara because um, he just kicks the ball all game long, whether he's on target or not. I think that's going to open up some points for him this year. Eh, will he score more without Martins? I don't know. I don't. <clears throat> I don't know enough about this this Jordan Morris kid to know how he's going to play with them. Um, I kind of feel bad for Kyle Laren that Kyle Laren set the rookie benchmark for all time MLS, and all we talk about now is Jordan Morris, like he's done anything. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I go Kamara in that scenario. Yeah, um, I think Dempsey's a better pick in terms of Dempsey versus Kamara because Dempsey, I think people forget, like, last year before the Gold Cup, he was awesome, um, scored a ton of fantasy points. But then, like, you also have to worry about U.S. call-ups maybe. So, like, if we're talking, like, full season For versus... Both of those guys. Or, yeah. Sorry, I, mean, I was thinking of Dempsey and, and our other boy, Morris. Yeah, I'm, I'm mostly... Dempsey and Kamara, it's like over the whole season, sure, Kamara's going to score a lot of points, but if you're talking on a game-by-game -game basis, like Dempsey's probably the better option, and I think the points per 90 from last year reflect that, I think. I think they're pretty close, but I would take Dempsey. Yeah, especially at the start of the year. His fixtures are a little bit better. So. Yeah, I wouldn't take either one. Personally, I have my sights set on other players, but if... I were I would get Dempsey as well. I don't think he's going to score as many goals without Martins or with Martins gone. Uh, but the only concern I have is Dempsey will be on PKs and direct free kicks, but Ivan Schitz will be on all left-sided set pieces, probably most other set pieces. So that may take away from Dempsey's value. Um, but yeah, Dempsey I, I shouldn't would, be on PKs. I don't think. Just so you know. You don't think he'll be on PKs? I mean, the Sounders kind of split them, but, like, I don't know. Maybe Andrew can say more about this. Like, it's you, it should be Brad Evans most of the time. 
Um, yeah, Ziggy prefers I, 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 it to Evans, be Brad Evans. Okay, well, well, then in that case, then I would even downgrade Dempsey even more and look for somebody else. Because for my forwards, I'm looking for somebody who's going to take PKs, going to take direct kicks, going to be on set pieces. So your Giovinco's, your David Villas, even, even with BWP, I'm hesitant on him because Sasha takes the set pieces, so or the the penalty kicks. I'm sorry. So you know, I don't know. I I personally don't like either of those options, but I guess I would go Dempsey if I had to choose. Yeah, I don't think I would go for either of them either. Um, I think there's Via, Keen, and Giovinco that are all ahead of both of these guys. If I had to pick one of them, I'd pick Kamara. Um, yeah, I, I would avoid him if I could, though. I don't think Kamara's gonna. I don't think Kamara's gonna even touch what he did last year either. I think it might be safe to say that. Dempsey will probably score more without Martins, but not really because he's a better player, but because he's going to be the, the only initial target person because of that. So, uh, But I think you guys nailed it for everything else. Next question comes from Dean Moriarty, and uh, he kind of says, Drogba versus Javinko. Um, from a points-per-90 perspective, uh, why is Geo owned by so many more people? Okay. So, simple answer to this, in my view. Um, Giovinco has proven his value more than Drogba has so far. Drogba was great last year for a stretch as soon as he came in. Giovinco was great for the whole season. Toronto, also probably a better team. He's also younger than Drogba. I don't think you have quite the same injury risk, even though Drogba's been pretty good for most of his career. Um... If, if, if it's like that Geo versus Drogba comparison, it's just that Geo is a known quantity who you can be absolutely assured that he's going to get you points. Drogba also was a little bit over-reliant on goals to score points last year, and it's really hard to see him repeating what was truly one of the best performances in a short stretch that anyone's ever had in the league. Yeah, simply put, Geo... Uh, is younger. He will play on all types of surfaces. Drogba will be rested on turf. He's, I believe, 36 years old. You have uh, Porter coming in that's going to be healthy again, which he should see a significant, uh, significant bump in minutes. Um, Drogba is a fantastic player, not discrediting him by any means. He was in my lineup last year, but you know, I want a consistent player, and I want someone who's going to be, you know, the jack of all trades at that forward role. They're you know, I believe the exact same price. Um, Geo has more shots on goal, takes all set pieces, does everything. I mean, he, he's he's a magic man. So Geo by a mile. Yep, most talented player to ever play in the MLS, Jivinko. So period. Yep, and it's not even a question. I don't yep. care how much you like Landon Donovan or how much you like Beckham. Jivinko, best player to ever play in the MLS. And there's also a small chance that at the end of the EPL season. Drop and may reconsider that move over there to, to help manage something with Chelsea again. So, I think that's the reason why I'm avoiding Drogba um, yeah. for long-term planning is simply because you don't know if his heart's still really in it. I think at the end of the day, he's a competitor and he'll he'll do work, but I don't think it'll be at quite the same rate as he did last year. But that's a good opportunity for anyone who's trying to be heads up for these things going on. You can look at the the porters and you can look at the 
Aduros or maybe even McInerney. I don't know. But you can look at some of these other forwards, and they may get some good time depending on the surfaces or just how tired he may be from, from air travel or if he leaves. So there could be some excellent chances to snag up another guy who's going to become a, a new target for them. So our last forward question comes from Rormus, and he says, is Arudi the real deal for Dallas, or can we expect him to be a starter? Can we well, even expect him to be a starter? Sorry. From what I've seen, uh, I think that they'll be splitting duties unless they play a two-man uh, forward formation, which would be Arudi, and I believe Tesho is up top. Uh, I think Arudi could thrive in Dallas. Um I'm not going to touch Arudi. The only person from Dallas I'm touching is Diaz. Uh, but, you know, I think that Arudi, I think Arudi could actually do really well if he does start. And he's, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a single man up top or the, the two forward, but I think, I think he'd be the forward pick in Dallas between him and Tesho. Yeah, all through preseason it seems like he is – the forward to start, but I, I do think he's only going to be playing like 70-ish minutes a game. Um, and I'm I'm holding off on him until week four, and my plan is to bring him in for that double game week. Yeah, no, I I, <clears throat> I love it, Rudy. I, I just think he he runs too much too fast, so um, <laughs> it, it really is. I mean, God, when he was playing for Portland, he would just come in and just run so hard. But uh, God, he's gonna make he's gonna make a great addition to Dallas. I think his upside is twice what it was, or twice what it was could have been in Portland. Now that he's in Dallas, so I have him on my radar. I still may switch out a forward to get a Rudy in. That's how much I like him. Very nice, interesting. If nothing else, he's worth putting on the watch list. Which I don't think there is one this year. Your own personal watch list, your piece gotcha. of paper that's taped to your screen, <laughs> but you always have it there on your phone if you want to do it that way. <laughs> All right, guys, forward picks, give them to me. Um, for me, Via is the must-own forward to start the season, and then I'm also going with Keen, um, and and a bit of a surprise pick that might go under people's radar a bit is Gilberto up in Chicago. I think he's gonna have a big year. On my draft team. <laughs> oh, that's me. God. <laughs> Sorry. Travis. Travis, you're throwing off the whole thing, man. All right. Um, I have Via as well. Uh, I had to do a lot of work to get Via in because he's so expensive, but he's so good. And Javinko. And I had to go with Amiraqua. Not I had to go. I mean, if you're going to spend Quincy, on a value like forward, yeah, like Amiraqua against an aging Wando, it's a great pick. So I, I feel good about Quincy as my third forward. And I'm starting all three of them. So Very I feel good the show. my three. Yeah. And that system's much better for him than it ever was when he was in Chicago. Correct. And I also, I, I mean, Gilberto's a great pick. As much as I don't like Chicago, I really like Gilberto, and I've, I've liked him a long time, so... I don't know where I'd fit him, but good good on you, Andrew. Uh, for me, Giovanco and Via, and I haven't decided on the third yet because I think there's a massive drop-off after those two. So, yeah, there you go. There's two picks, and I think the third is 
there's like a lot of good options, but I don't have a pick for that one yet. Well, if you're going to run a five-man midfield, then two defenders is kind of your only option. Or two forwards. I'm going to do four for four my midfield. So. Yeah, Gio and uh, Via for me as well with uh, Saloy from Kansas City at 4.5, who is the only starting forward behind Dom Dwyer. And then I also have uh, Cal- uh, is it Calistry? Calistry from Chicago. Um, at 4.5 as well, who I think could be seeing minutes behind Gilberto or Gilberto and uh, I don't know how to say Igbo. Igbon, Igbo. Igbonike. There you go. God bless you. I got that one down. Every now and then I get them. All right. Great picks. Great picks, definitely. So didn't do this before. We'll do it now before we get our last few questions. Captain picks. Oh, Trav again. Travis. Uh, I went with uh, Kaká. No matter who I have, Kaká is my captain. I'm, I'm going to write it out. I feel good about it. Uh, I'm expecting a 10-point game, so I'll double that to 20, and I will be in the top third of the MLS fantasy scores. Wow, predictions. Yes. Mm. Simon. Kaká. I guess I'm going to run with Kaká. Why not? Just to keep pace. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Andrew, don't, Andrew, don't screw this up for us. I'm doing it. I'm going with Mario Diaz. Here we go. Ooh, Very nice. I like it. I like that. Very nice. Okay, before we uh, wrap up the questions, we have uh, some miscellaneous What's yours, ones. What's yours? If you want to see mine, you're going to have to tune in to uh, the MLS website on Wednesday to get my picks. Ooh. You better pick Kaka against all your better judgment. <laughs> <laughs> all the trash you've talked about Kaka over the last year. You owe it to him to do a week I sta- one. I stand by. I stand by everything I said last year. I stand by it. Mr. Portland does not deserve anything. Uh, so our miscellaneous question before we move on, and guys, just, you can feel free to go quick through these if you all agree. Um, we've got, uh, is there a team that's worth taking a risk? So, okay, let me give you some background for this one. Uh, this is he who, I, I don't know, your names all matched together. Sorry, something marries is himself. Um, so last year we said that that it was it was risky to pick up four players from, from one team, but we did pick a couple of teams teams like Vancouver that we thought justified doing just that. This year, uh, with the starting schedules, do we think any team is worthy of of rolling the dice and having four players from them on your team? Um, if there is one, it's Dallas. Um, I also like all the value that's available in Chicago, but there's a couple guys that are question marks at this point, so really it's just Dallas. <laughs> But don't 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 pick four Chicago players. <laughs> don't don't do that to yourself, man. No, yeah, it's Dallas. And but with the caveat being that Aaron Guillen is the only 4.0 defender in the game. Um, and some incredible twist, the only 4.0 defender is from Dallas. So because Ben Bear is a cruel, cruel man. Yeah, we have to mm-hmm. talk about that. That's that's kind of come on, man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so three players plus Guillen. Yeah, that's four. Um, I'll say no. Why would you have four players from the same team at the start? It's like you don't actually know who the good teams are. This is MLS. Like, it's probably Dallas, but we don't know. I'm not going to do that. It's all about the balance. Keep yourself in it so that you can win it later. Yeah, I think it's risky this year to do that. Uh, So Christopher Reddit says, uh, with many top midfielders moving to forwards, is there a reason to not have a formation that used three forwards? Never. 
Never. Always use three forwards. It's about attack. It's about goals. That's how we get our points. Always use three forwards. That's my advice. Sure, that seems fine. I don't know. I have um, the numbers when I looked at them. It's like there's a lot of forwards and midfielders with around the same points per 90. Um, like I'm not really sure like how many midfielders have actually moved to forward. Giovinco, like, I don't know. You're fine with five midfielders. You're fine with four midfielders and three forwards. As long as you have like, I think as long as you have seven people up front, you're fine. Yeah, I, I prefer playing the five-man midfield with two forwards up top. It just makes it easier to switch to a third forward if you need to uh, and still have value at other places. I agree with the guy with, you know, you want to attack, but I think that with this new, with the new pricing system, you're going to want the, you know, the, the maestros of the midfield with the passing and the shots on goal and all the set pieces, I think there's more points to be had there than, yeah, you know, I'm going to shoot three times a game and probably not score and maybe only get three points or I'm going to have, you know, 37 passes with 85% completion, get assists, bonus points, key passes, and I'm on all set pieces and get seven or eight points a game. So I'm sticking with five man midfield and two attackers. I keep bouncing between three forwards and two forwards. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with either, so long as you've got seven attackers. Um, ultimately, for me, I think it's going to come down to whether Goosens gets his stuff sorted and is able to start opening day. Yeah, I think that's the, the big important part. I think you nailed it, basically, Andrew. Um, as long as you got one of those, don't have four in the back. Just get that balance. Uh, next question from Berg... Bergdorf Bandit said, and we touched on this some already, he's bullish on several of Chicago players. Um, what are our general thoughts on them, and will they be in our team? So we've mentioned that. Uh, I think all of us like some of the Chicago players, so do you guys just want to touch on, I guess, the top three or four of them real quick? Uh, well, if you're going to do it and you're going to spend any money, I mean, go Gilberto. And I did take my family out this last weekend to watch Portland play Chicago, and my kid's first soccer game at Port Providence Park was a 2-0 loss to Chicago. So this might be affecting my judgment a little bit because I'm kind of upset about that. But uh, Lampson looked really good in the back. I don't know why they weren't playing Johnson, but um, if if they decide to start Lampson in the back, more power to you. That, I mean, they shut us out 2-0, so more power to them. Yeah, I think I've already said my opinion on Chicago players. Um... Too much of an unknown quantity. I don't like going with unknown quantities at the beginning of the year. So I'm sure there is some value to be had, but to me it's a risk, and I don't like risks. Yeah, I agree with that. I like I like Vincent as a starter. Uh, he'll probably be starting. Obviously, you have a common Goosens, uh, either one of those if they start, cheap option at Polster, and then uh, uh, Gilberto, which... I think for nine mil is a is a good value up top. I think there's better players at nine mil, but I think if you're going with Chicago, get Gilberto. So in case you guys haven't figured out, I love Chicago this year a lot, probably way more than I should, and it's all <laughs> because they actually have a team identity and playing style. Preach it. Has them playing a specific brand of soccer that just hasn't been there the last couple of years in Chicago. It's just kind of yeah, we're just going to try to do everything average, and as a result, we're just bad. So I, I really love what he's doing with the team, and I think it's going to 
really suit the players that were already there, and they're going to just surprise everybody this year. Very nice. Uh, our next question comes from KLS Danger Zone, and uh, he says, who's worth picking up at LA after all the changes? And I, I guess, Jason, you're already going to weigh in with VD right here, aren't you? Yeah, I like, uh, obviously, I really like Kennedy in goal. He would be the person I would have if I don't have Gonzo. Um, VD, obviously, in the back. Their midfield, to me, is way too much of a cluster. Uh, Keen is an obvious choice, but if you're looking for a differential, I think uh, Giovanni Dos Santos is a very sneaky option to get speed, uh, natural striking ability, great vision, and he's on most set pieces. So those would be the ones I would take if I had to. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. GDS and Keen both had um, good points per 90 last year, and they'll have like I've had last year and a full preseason, so I think they'll be even better together. They were kind of out of sync last year. Um, but I will differ and say I don't think you should have anyone in their midfield or defense. They're old and slow, and I think you could see that sort of against Santos. It's kind of a miracle that that game didn't turn out a bit differently than it has. I think you could have been able to see that in preseason. I don't trust their defense at all, and Lampard is – or not Lampard. What's his face? Gerard. Gerard. Yeah, way too old and slow to be doing midfield work. They're going to get overrun by a lot of teams in the midfield. I think it's weird to take their defensive players – I think you're weird to not. That's well, fair. I'm with uh, Simon on this one. I think that Ashley Cole is going to get burned time after time down that flank. We've seen it against Santos. We've seen it against Seattle in preseason. And I I think with so many MLS teams relying on speed down the wings that LA is just going to concede way more goals than what people are used to them conceding. Yeah, I smell I, a bet coming on. <laughs> I concur with the, the the majority here. I don't have any LA on my team because even even with the perfect conditions, they're still slow starters. Like we, it's always this whole thing. Like every year, like oh, when are they going to pick it up? And then they pick it up and they're fine. But starting the year, mm, now nah, I'm going to pass. The second to last question comes from good friend Mike that Tiger. And uh, he has a good question. How do we plan to use our wild cards in the first uh, few weeks with the first free one not coming until round 19? Uh, we'll do one clarification. We have one general free wild card between rounds 1 and 17, and then the second general wild card between rounds 18 and 34. Uh, but he's specifically wondering about, I guess, that first planned free one. But guys, what's your wild card strategy? So with this, I actually wanted to talk to you guys about this. I was on MLSFantasyBoss.com in the chat room earlier today, and someone brought up a really good point. In the rules, it doesn't exactly state if there are two set wild cards and then two free-floating whenever used wild cards. So I wanted to see if any of you guys could clarify that. I assume that's what it is, yeah. Just because just like, there was something – I forget where it was, but – I want to see when you around. look at the at the transfers, we have unlimited transfers in round one. So this is the initial free wildcard that everyone gets. There's unlimited transfers in round 19. So that's a a set free wildcard that everyone gets. And this is in the, the transfers section of the rules part. And then there's another set of unlimited transfers in round 33. So those are the two free wildcards that are just already attached to a, a game week. Um, 
the transfer wildcards is what I just mentioned. Between rounds 1 and 17, you get a free wildcard you can use whenever. And then between 18 and 34 is another one you can use whenever. Gotcha. The four wildcards that we'll get after round 1. So to answer your question, Mike, I uh, well, thank you for the clarification, by the way, Reed. Um, Mike, I honestly don't... I haven't even looked that far in advance to see when I'm going to play my wild cards. I'm still working on my initial lineup to start the season. Um, so I can't really give you an honest answer on that. Sorry, but I'm still working on this. So for me, I think we can navigate pretty well, take a hit here or there, all the way up until week 13. Um, so the players that are playing in week 13 where there's a bunch of buys, I really don't like any of their matchups in week 12. So I, I think I'm going to basically dig myself into a huge hole week 12 and then use that wild card to, to get myself back out. And I will channel Travis because he and I have talked about this some before the show since he wasn't going to be here. Um, He's, he's still a fan of the early wild card being used around three or four or five or six of one of those earlier sessions, uh, sessions, game weeks, whenever you can get a general feel for how teams are playing, who's going to be starters, maybe find some value picks, and just rearrange your team going forward with that, knowing at 19 you'll have another chance to do some, some rearranging. Uh, I've never done that myself with the early wild card. I've always waited later on to try to take advantage of a big double game week. But I, I'm... I'm thinking about doing that this year, that, that early strategy, especially since we get another one at the second half of the season. That's what worries me more, though, is the second half of the season uh, with that big set of buys in 25, 27, and 32. So it's going to be crazy town. Yeah, just wild card early, man. I wild carded week two last year. <laughs> You're crazy. I'd never done that. No, I, that, that week I did it. I had the second highest score in the in the game. So okay. hey, hey. if you do it right, it's good. Expert. Yeah, there you go. And our last question, thank you for those who have lasted this long, is from Twitter, and it comes from Finally Rosen, and he wants to know who is our dark horse to take fantasy by storm for this year. I think, Guy, it's going to be Seb Hines. Wow. <laughs> <sighs> So for me, it is pretty much take your pick from Chicago. Gilberto, Harrington, Vincent, Goosens, love them all. Okay, Travis. All right, Travis is just throwing me off every time on this list here. Now I'm going to say... Josie Altador. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I honestly think that um, that Milano can turn the corner this year for Portland. And I think having having him on the wing, um, he looked good in preseason. I think a second year under his belt, he knows what to expect for MLS. Uh, he's still our highest paid, you know, transfer fee ever. So we need him to perform, and I think that this is the year he puts it together. Um, I'll take a weird position and say that I don't think there is a fantasy dark horse. Um, I don't That's think that. Position. Anyone who is super underrated is going to perform really well. Um, I think that this is a year where all of the teams have been pretty settled aside from like Chicago. And so if there were to be one, I think it's from Chicago, like Andrew said, just because we don't know that much about them yet other than their preseason. And so it's hard to really have anyone super hyped up. Um, I think the quantities are really, really known this year in terms of fantasy because a lot of the players are the same. 
And I think we know who's going to be good and they're going to be good, which is maybe a weirder, more out there pick than actually picking a dark horse. All right, Jay, this is this is your your category, Mr. Differential. Yes. Your dark horse. My dark horse for this year is Federico Iguain from Columbus. He's uh, 10 mil, and he's finally listed as a midfielder. He's where he belongs. Um, he's one of the highest pass completions percentage out of uh, anyone, and he's obviously the maestro for Columbus. He's on all set pieces and shares PKs with Kamara. Kai, not Ola, Reed. And yeah, watch out that for guys. Two, two Kamaras. Yes, Kai and Ola. One is 11 mil, which is the right one, and the other one is 8. Um, <laughs> but um, Iguain, I think, is a great, sneaky, good pick with only 4.2% ownership. Um, a lot of people don't have him on his radar. He's fallen off the past couple of years, but I vote for Dark Horse for this year. Everyone get Ola Kamara. He's a sleeper. Yes. Uh, mine, mine is Duty. Duty is the, well, the Dark Horse of the year. Do the Duty. Do the Duty. All right, well, that's all the questions that we have. Thank you so much for listening. We're going to wrap it up with some announcements uh, and plugs. So if everyone doesn't know yet, the MLS FI League is up and posted. If you want to join, the auto link is at MLSFantasyBoss.com and over at Reddit. Uh, but the code is 10-318, so get in on that. Uh, we're going to have the MLS Fantasy Insider... Um, hosts head-to-head lead again this year, but something special is going on this time. We're going to have all of us who are regularly here, well, everyone on this show is going to be on there, and Travis, once he gets around to joining, will be there. Plus, we have some special guests to join us this year. We're going to have some representatives from, from Fantasy Football First. Isn't that exciting? Uh, from Fantasy Football 24-7, guys, some of your crew. And uh, those guys are here because Fantasy Football First got an award from Reddit as one of the best fantasy MLS sites last year, and Fantasy Football rounded out with their score, so they're going to to head with us, as well as some friends of the show. Mike Dat Tiger is going to be here. Older Golder is going to be here, who's doing some fun stuff um, with like a kids' league this year. So I, th- I think maybe Jay knows some about that. He can talk about it in a few minutes. And then we have a couple other guys that we're still looking to fill the spots with that we're going to announce later on. But we're hoping it's going to be a bit more fun and interactive than it was last year with just a few of us in some actives. Um, otherwise, uh, be sure to check out some other great leagues. The r slash fantasy MLS classic league. That code is 10-217. And there will be prizes again, at least the scarves. Uh, information of that can be found on Reddit. Of course, MLS Fantasy Boss has its classic league, which is 10-316. Perhaps you've noticed a pattern to the leagues I created. Um, and if you want to see any other leagues, uh, head over to MLS Fantasy Boss. There's a list, and there's a thread that's stickied over at r slash fantasy MLS for everyone who's just posted leagues that people can join. A great source if you're looking to fill up uh, the 15 slots that you have. Um, and one announcement for Travis is he can't be here. Be sure to look for his article tomorrow at uh, the MLS website because he will be writing about why Javinko is a must-have. Guys, anybody else? Um, yeah, I have a separate podcast I'd like you to listen to. It's called The Merry Man's Guide to Sports Addiction. And I curse a lot, so come listen Not to me curse and drink. Work. Well, safe for my work. It's awesome. You should just check <laughs> it out. Yeah, for me, um, I did want to uh, shout out Older Goalers Kids League. Uh, he said H12... 
It's an MLS fantasy for kids. It's a classic league for kids age 12 and under who want to play with the supervision of their parents in order to learn a bit about fantasy sports and a lot about Major League Soccer and its players. No adults allowed. Uh, but they currently have four kids from age 7 to 9. Contact myself, so at J. MLSFI or at older goaler on Twitter to get the super secret private league code and check out my uh, differentials this year uh, starting the season. It's on MLSFantasyBoss.com and also on um, our Reddit page. And thank you guys for all the support so far this year and all the ads and likes on Twitter for my page and for the MLSFI page. It's been great interacting with you guys. I'm super excited to continue to do this and uh, to compete against you guys uh, in uh, Fantasy MLS. Simon, Andrew, anything you guys want to add? Nah. No. <laughs> Let's get to the season. Let's do it. Let's get to it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say be sure to check out Andrew's articles that get posted at MLSFantasyBoss.com. He is highlighting, finding value at all the positions except keeper because who really needs that? Uh, that's coming up, and then I have an article uh, I mentioned earlier going up at uh, MLS on Wednesday that's going to talk about uh, just my top 20-ish picks for each position, again, except for a keeper, because that would be the starting keeper for every position if we did 20 of those. Uh, and Besides that, that's all I have. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you found the information useful. There will be an image that goes along with this podcast to help you with quick picks. If you did not hear it all, or at this point, if you made it this far, it doesn't matter. You're going to know them. So thanks for listening, everyone, and good luck.